when I was able to see things from a different light, from a different perspective, it relieved a lot of pressure off of my heart because I was living with anger. And that's a very complicated thing to be living with loss and sadness with the loss, but also hatred. I hated my brother for years after his death. I was furious for what he did to me, what he did to my parents, what he did to his friends, like furious. Hello, my friends. Welcome back. Today, we're going to go kind of heavy. And by kind of, I mean, we're going to go heavy. <laughs> so just consider this your trigger warning. Um, we are going to go into the topic of suicide. So like I said, it's going to be heavy. So if you're not feeling it today, if you just want something a little bit more light and airy, maybe listen to a different episode and come back to this when you're feeling a little more ready for it. Um, but yeah, we're going to go a little deep because... This month, the month of May, is Mental Health Awareness Month. It is for the entire month from the 1st to the 31st of May, and it is an important topic for me. As you know, if you've been listening for a while, I discuss a lot of my own struggles with my own mental health, and I also think when we have a month dedicated to something like this, though I am going to say it should always have a dedication, not just one month, but... It is an opportunity to put a brighter spotlight on a subject that can be quite taboo. So it's something that I did want to have a conversation about. It is something that has weighed heavy on me for quite some time. I actually have wanted to discuss this for the last, goodness, since probably, well, since December, because it was inspired by an article actually written by Mel Robbins for CNN. She wrote it back in December. I will link it in our show notes. And with her article, she wanted to discuss the language that people use surrounding suicide and basically saying that people are using the wrong language. It was inspired by the suicide of Stephen Boss, a.k.a. Twitch, who was a dancer, a choreographer, and most recently he was best known for being a part of the Ellen DeGeneres show. So Mel Robbins wrote this article. I read it. It stirred up a lot of emotions, but I wasn't ready yet to broach the subject and then here's the month of May, Mental Health Awareness Month. And this month holds a lot of significance for me in other ways, which I will discuss later. So it just felt like the appropriate time. And again, you know, it's obviously important to me because of my own struggles that I have shared very openly. But something that I talk about much less openly is the fact that I have had to live through the aftermath of the suicide of somebody that I loved. And the words that people use can be so unintentionally hurtful. And I think it is so important to bring that more to light and to educate people a little bit more on how to better discuss these things. And as well as just people don't talk about mental health enough. And because we don't talk about it enough, 
people don't always know the proper way to discuss it. And people miss the mark with mental illness in seeing something that is so obvious in those two words. And that is the word illness. People lose sight of that. And so they just view a death by suicide as something very different than a death by anything else. And the words can hurt that are used. And mental health can be difficult to understand. I had a whole episode about talking about those silent struggles, right? When people are sick with an illness, like a physical, you know, they have cancer or Parkinson's, so many different things, you have these these visual indicators that are just a lot more common that you go, oh, that person is ill. When you have somebody with mental illness, a lot of times you have no idea how sick they really are because people are really good at hiding it. And so it is harder to grasp the depth of the struggle that people are currently drowning in. So when you then are faced with a suicide, you might just have this image of a very happy person that had it all and you can't understand it. And people very, very openly, commonly often will say after a suicide, they were so selfish or how could they do that to their family or, but they were so happy. I don't understand. Or they had everything. Why would they do this? What a terrible thing. And suddenly the victim of suicide becomes almost vilified for their mental illness. It is not seen as somebody that has lost a battle with cancer. You are sad by that and you reflect on their illness and the fight that they went through to try and beat it. When you lose somebody to suicide, you immediately go at them. How could they? How dare they? They didn't try hard enough. They didn't ask for help. They didn't do this. They did this to hurt this person. Didn't they think of that person? Very rarely. Do you hear somebody sit and reflect and go, wow, wow, what were they going through? It must have been so hard for them that this is the way it had to go. You very rarely hear that. And instead, it is just this attack on this quote unquote choice. And the reason I say choice like that is it's not a choice. And I know that can be so hard for people to wrap their heads around, especially if you are one of the fortunate people that has not had deep, deep struggles with the darkness. Now, I understand we all struggle. And I know there are people that are out there that go, I am telling you, I was struggling. I was right there, but I asked for help and I got help and I got better. And they could have done that too. They were too weak. They were whatever. That's not true. Everybody has a different tolerance level. Everybody has a different threshold for what they can handle. And when you get that deep, it is hard to ask for help sometimes. And your brain is affected by mental illness. It makes you see everything different. You start thinking differently. And suddenly you're not viewing your exit as this as this thing that you're burdening people with. 
is almost like, well, I'm going to make their life easier or, or you are so caught up in everything that you see nothing but your pain and your pain is so excruciating that all you can see is a way out and that's it. And Mel Robbins really said it quite perfectly in her article when, when she said the biggest problem with people that get to this point is they lose sight of the difference between wanting to end their pain and ending their life. But when you get so deep in, you can't always see that. And all you know is the end. And you, you lose sight of there's different things and there's different ways of that end. And it doesn't have to result in your life being ended. But when you're so deep in, that is so hard to see. And asking for help isn't always as easy as one may think. Uh, you know, like I just said, I know there are so many people that will say like, oh, I, I was struggling though. And I asked for help, like they can do it. Asking for help can be so hard and it is really easy to lose sight of like your rational thinking when you get that deep in it I can tell you and I will I will go much deeper into my story in another episode because it goes it's a big one when I had an experience where in hindsight I believe that my intention was to not make it through a night and I uncharacteristically tried reaching out for help, which is something I do not do. And I think deep down, I knew what was happening in my mind and I knew where I was going. And so I texted a friend and I said, Hey, are you working tonight? And she texted back and she said, I am. What's up? Do you need anything? And I was like, no, it's okay. Never mind." When I look back on that night, I was screaming for help. Anybody that received that text was probably just thinking like, oh, she probably just wants to hang out or she just wants to chat. It was the hardest thing I could ever do was to send that text. And then I couldn't go further. And so when she said she was busy, I was like, okay. And that night didn't end well for me, which is a whole nother story. But that night did not end well for me. And it is interesting to look back where I sit now in a much healthier mindset where I have much better coping mechanisms and I'm on medication. And now I look at that night and I go, holy shit, holy shit. I was so deep, so deep in that, that all I saw was a way to stop everything. Never thinking the long-term situation you know right I'm not looking further ahead of like what that ending meant it was just in that moment I needed everything to stop I wasn't well and so my mind wasn't working and I wasn't thinking rationally so even my call to help wasn't actually a call to help right it just sounded like I was looking for a friend to chat with so it's very very important to understand people's brains change and it starts playing tricks on itself and it starts seeing things differently where it is not as simple as just saying, help me. It is not that black and white. If it was, a lot more people would survive mental illness. I think it's just really important to sit with some compassion when you are listening to stories of people's struggles and when people lose their battles with their struggles. You know, for me, being left in the aftermath of a suicide 
those statements that I heard were horrendous. They were horrible. And when you are the survivor left in the aftermath of this, and I call it a survivor because for the people that have lost somebody to suicide, you are in your own little universe and you feel so isolated and it is not the same as losing somebody to any other kind of death you have very little point of reference it's not like you've lost somebody to cancer where you speak to almost anybody and they're gonna say oh my gosh yes i lost my grandmother or my husband or my cousin or somebody everybody knows somebody that has died from cancer Dying from a car accident is more common. I mean, there are so many things that it is easier to find relation with somebody than when you lose somebody to suicide. And suddenly you're looking around and you don't know where to turn because nobody's gone through this. It takes a while to find somebody that you can relate to. So you're already feeling isolated on top of dealing with this tragic death. And you almost feel like a disease. Like people almost want to avoid you because they don't know what to say to you. So you're feeling all of that. And then all you're hearing is that's so selfish of them. Why were they so selfish? And people get very angry. And I think when people talk about it, they feel like they're giving some sort of comfort. And it's not, it's just hurtful. My own personal story is something that I don't discuss often. Um, I keep it very, very close to my heart. Um, I don't share much of it, but when I was a teenager, I did lose my brother to suicide and it was a very violent death. Um, and it was a life-changing experience for me. It completely changed who I was as a person. And as you can imagine, it creates a lot of turmoil and being that young and having to cope with it was incredibly difficult. And I was the person that found him. And so that left me with an immense amount of anger. I was absolutely fucking furious with him, furious, because I knew that he knew I was the one that was going to find him. We had a routine. We had a schedule. I was the one. And so I sat with anger for most of my life at my brother. And it didn't, oh, it didn't, it didn't happen until many, many, many years later. And we're now at close to 30 years ago, this happened. And I'm going to say it wasn't until maybe the last decade or so, I'm going to say 10 to 15 years, where I, I was able to understand what he must have been going through. And I was able to understand that I could not be angry with him because he was not thinking about me. That was not what that boy was thinking about. That was the last thing on his mind. And when I was able to see things from a different light, from a different perspective, it relieved a lot of pressure off of my heart because I was living with anger. And that's a very complicated thing to be living with loss and sadness with the loss, but also hatred 
I mean, I, guys, I hated my brother for years after his death. I was furious for what he did to me, what he did to my parents, what he did to his friend, like furious. And it fucked up my whole life. Honestly, like for the rest of my teenage life, nothing was okay. Nothing was good. It, anybody that has gone through this understands what it does to a family. And so you are just dealing with all of these things. You're dealing with the tragedy. You're dealing with your own personal trauma from what I had to endure with, with the discovery. And you're then also dealing with the words of others. And I will never forget I don't remember how it came to me, but somebody came to me and said a friend's parent had said that my brother was going to burn in hell because he committed suicide. Could you not keep that to yourself? Was that necessary to say out loud? Was it necessary for whoever brought that to me to have brought that to me? No. People would avoid me. People would see, I will never forget, I went to the mall one day and I saw a classmate and I saw the look on her face as I was approaching and it turned my stomach because I felt like a disease. Nobody wanted to talk to me because they didn't know what to say to me. It was this confusing thing for everybody because again there's no point of reference you don't know what to say and so so many people fell back on that go-to statement of like that was so selfish I'm so sorry he did that to you that was terrible that he did that why didn't he do this and why didn't he do that and so you're struggling with all these other things and then basically having people kind of shit talk your person without even realizing they're doing it. And it does not help. It doesn't help because where are the real conversations that have to happen that are revolving around compassion and empathy and trying to understand what brings somebody to a point of desperation that is so big and so deep that they think that the only solution is to hit the stop button that conversation doesn't happen and people don't sit in the aftermath and go, I can't believe he was suffering alone. I can't believe how bad it must have been. I wish I would have known or, you know, just feeling compassion for the person. It all revolves around anger and that the person was selfish. And I think we all forget to stop for a minute and imagine what that pain has got to be like to get to that point. And the more that suicide becomes this vilified thing where people keep having that conversation of how dare they and what a horrible, evil person they are. They did this to their friends and their family and how foolish that they didn't know better. When that becomes the only conversation surrounding suicide, how are we supposed to expect people to feel safe to even discuss thoughts of suicide because the more it becomes this big bad terrible thing that you become the villain the scarier it's gonna be to openly discuss it the scarier it's gonna be scary to ask for help because you're gonna be afraid somebody is immediately gonna think that you're a bad person that you could even be considering this kind of an exit because that's all you hear is that 
And so it's really scary to come forward and say, help me. So we need to start creating these safer spaces where people feel comfortable to discuss this stuff. And the more understanding we can get of the depths of those darkness, the more we can help ourselves and each other. Like I said, it took me such a long time for my anger to evolve into understanding and it's hard sometimes when I when I think back and I think about the years wasted on being so angry at somebody that what the fuck was he going through that that's what he had to do and instead I was too focused on being mad at him and just how fucking dare he I spent years with that anger eating me alive instead of sitting with love in my heart And just wanting to hug this boy that saw no other way. And I wish I had spent more years feeling that for him. It wouldn't change anything. It would have helped me. It just would have been nice sitting with a little bit more compassion. But I'm happy I'm there now. You know, and I I will forever, until the day I die, sit with pain in my heart for my brother, but also so much compassion and empathy and just wanting to hug him and tell that scared little boy it'll be okay. It just doesn't help sitting in anger for somebody that has lost this fight and to sit in a place of almost like disgust and to not even try to understand. We've got to be better and we've got to learn to see things from different perspectives and open ourselves up to having more compassion for people that are struggling and learning to understand it's not a choice and it's not a selfish choice at all. I think the best way to end this is just with a friendly reminder that in the same way that death comes when someone loses their battle with cancer, death also comes to someone who loses their battle with mental illness. And just remember they're one in the same. It's an illness that killed a person. And I think that's the best way to end this is with that. My show notes will have some resources for you. So please go there. Um, There will be a link for suicide awareness. I will also link that article by Mel Robbins. I, I highly recommend you give it a read. And as always, I'm always available in my DMs on Instagram at Pretty and Kink Podcast, as well as that anonymous link that is also in my show notes. So I love you guys. I hope this helps to give you a little bit of a different view and maybe open your heart a little bit more to see people that are struggling in a different light. And with that, I love you and I will see you next time. Bye.